Hi, I'm Stargate Pioneer. And I'm Stephen Jondrew, and we're from Better Podcasting, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 401 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, recorded on May 3rd, 2020. I almost said 2018, I have no idea why. But I do also know tomorrow's Star Wars Day. I know Willie Nelson don't care about that, we'll get to him in a second, but it means I got some cool shit coming that I can watch. So I'm excited about that. How about you, Anthony Bachman? You excited about some of the Star Wars Day stuff we're getting tomorrow? May the motherfucking 4th, hell yeah. No more DVDs or Blu-rays. I can just turn on my Disney Plus and watch nine Star Wars movies in a row. Well, you could already. <sighs> How about you, Will? Are you I, excited? I didn't think they had the last one on there yet. Isn't tomorrow the release of the last one on Disney Plus? Ah, but you could watch Rogue One or Solo. So theoretically, uh, you could watch nine Star Wars okay. movies. Yes! Addendum, I just loophole you. I could watch the nine movies of the great story of Emperor Palpatine in a row. In the Skywalker saga. It's all about Emperor you Palpatine. You mean the Palpatine saga? Yeah, right? There's really only one character in all nine movies. C-3PO. That's Sidious. <laughs> no, C-3PO. Sidious wasn't in seven and eight. Yes, he was just hiding in the background. We didn't know it. Well, R2 <laughs> was apparently. He wasn't fucking dead. But R2 was there the whole time, and so is C-3PO. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, wait, I refer to Star Wars as the story of two droids and the idiotic humans they meet. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Snoke just Palpatine? Yeah, he was That's a bad clone con. Palpatine. But he was just Palpatine, right? He was a crappy clone that the Emperor controlled. Yeah. Whether it was a clone of Palpatine or not, we don't know. Well, yeah, when you say he controlled, in one of, in one of the jars, him? they show one of the... If I remember correctly, in one of like the jars on the last planet is one of the broken clones that looks like Snoke. Yes, that is correct. But they did not say whether the Snoke body was a clone of Palpatine or just some shell that he was puppeteering or whatnot. That's more well, of what it again, was. It, it, are you trying to say it's just some other being who the Emperor was just telling well, to do something? What, what I'm going to say is it was a retcon he, because they didn't like what Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> he didn't well, fucking all, write it, did he? That's what all three of those movies are uh, about. <laughs> Ryan Johnson wrote Star Wars Episode Eight. Okay, yeah. so he did fucking write yeah. it. Ryan Johnson wrote and directed Episode Eight. J.J. Uh, Abrams has co-writer credits, I believe, on 7 and 9. I believe him and it was Chris Terrio wrote Episode 9. I don't know, Willie... We should go to you real quick there. Are you excited about the Star Wars content we get on Disney Plus tomorrow? I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Look at that excitement. Well, the thing but, I the thing I want to see is the Mandalorian uh, table scene, the table talk with all the writers oh, and directors. Yeah. Actually, and uh, can we go back for a second? Bachman, are you going to break and burn all your DVDs and Blu-rays that you already have? Because that's no. what you, think. you said. Screw all them. I'm just saying I'm lazy. I don't have to get up and put them in the player well, anymore. Burn, burn, burn. I can just put it on Disney that. Plus. Just get rid of them. No. I'm not doing that. I still like how they look on the shelf. All right, fine, fine, fine. They're decorative. Well, Willie, how many DVDs do you have that you have digital copies of still? How many of them that have I actually put into the player and watched? That is the better question. How, okay, why don't you answer that question for us? Of those that you have digital copies for, how often do you watch the physical copies? 
I have probably watched a good 70% of them on the physical media. Okay, that's fair. And one thing we do need to realize when we ask Willie this is that his internet sucks normally. So trying to digitally stream some of these would probably be painful. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, very posh. Very posh. Yeah, posh Nelson here. <laughs> oh. No. You asked for posh Nelson. You get him. No, nobody asked for posh Nelson. Nobody asked for it. But you know what people did ask for? And I have a show <laughs> note here. They asked here about the makeshift pimp story about one Willie Nelson. I have it on my show notes right here, just in case no one believes me. It says, Pimp Story, and then in parentheses, Makeshift from ATG and 400. (laughs) Makeshift Pimp. Who asked for it, though? You're saying people ask, who's these people? You asked for it. That's not people, that's person. And then the people in the chat room said they wanted to hear the story. Who? I'm pretty sure Draftsman Uh, said in the chat room. (laughs) I'm pretty sure some of the other folks in there went, oh, man, that sounds interesting. Now, while they might not be watching live this week, they can listen to the recording or the audio episode or the video episode over on YouTube and get the story. I mean, it's up to you. If you don't want to tell the people about makeshift pimp Willie, calm down, calm down. (laughs) Do you want to hear the story? I am intrigued by the story, especially after we teased it for a week. All right, hold on. So let me just, let me get ready for it. It's better than posh Nelson. Let's be honest here. Well, the low bar, low bar. It was a cold night. Oh God. (laughs) I was with someone and we went to this bar club. It's called Club Orion, but it's it just looked like a bar. And I don't really go to bars or clubs. So this was a bit, you know, outside my zone, my area, my expertise, my poshness. But and uh so we were just hanging out, whatever, and then uh let's just fast forward to a lot of this. Where this weird girl who was on something, I'm not sure what she was on, but she was not sober. Let's just put it that way. Define weird. She was on something. I'm sure if she was sober, she wouldn't be weird. But in this state, just her her behavior was weird because of something she was on. Okay. Yeah. At one point in time, I was asked to stay out, stand outside and wait for uh, her, this guy to come pick her up in a black Mustang. I was like, okay, I'm down here smoking a cigarette anyway. And after they didn't return after 10 minutes, I was like, fuck this it's cold out here. I'm going back in. And then, uh, fast forward a little bit more time going out for another cigarette. They come back out and she's all of a sudden asking for a ride back to Salisbury, which is a good 40 ish minutes away. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. And she's asking, like, do you know how to start up a kerosene heater? I'm like, what? I mean, I'm sure I can figure it out. Wait, wait, I don't even want to go to Salisbury. I didn't say so that. What you're like, saying is she's not that, she wasn't like super hot. Because if she was super hot, you wouldn't have had that question. You just would have done it. At this time, I was <laughs> I was already with someone. Try, uh, trying. Uh, okay. Something. Okay. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I wasn't going to jump to that. Um and then, uh, so after much more awkwardness and me just like, what the hell, what the fuck is going on here? How do I get the hell out of this situation? Uh, she looks over and says, oh, there goes that black Mustang there. It didn't just pull up. I think it's been there for a good five to ten minutes and no one noticed it. And he didn't come out. So I don't know what all of that was about. 
So we all go, uh, he's parked near my vehicle, like a couple of spots down uh, on the same little row in the parking lot. So I just go to my vehicle and I'm just leaning against the back of my vehicle, smoking a cigarette as the three of them are over there talking. And then, um, and then my lady friend comes back to the vehicle and she tells me a story. Apparently how that girl is apparently a, let's just say a lady of the night. And that was her pimp. And then the lady I was with, who I'm, who has told me she is an ex pimp herself, which I found a little weird and awkward. Um, proceeded to tell me that she had to tell him that I was her pimp for reasons. I forget that was explained to me that night and I cannot remember exactly why I was like, I was just mystified. Like someone called me their pimp. That is weird and funny. It makes for a good, funny story. And I'm guessing, Oh, I'm just guessing for protection. I don't know. Good news is I didn't have to take this weird girl 40 m- minutes down to Salisbury and have to start up a weird kerosene heater thing. So I was happy about that. Hmm. So, so that was the night you I was were, a makeshift pimp. They said you were their pimp just for their own protection then? or I don't remember exactly the reasoning that was told, but that's just what <laughs> was. Huh. Well, interesting. It was a weird feeling after that. I was like, oh. Especially when you don't know someone is saying this about you to someone else. Like, oh. So you might have helped keep that girl out of trouble by her pretending that you were her pimp. I don't know. I have no clue what was going on there. I'm, I just, Or you might have made her more money by her pretending to be your pimp. Or you know what I mean. That, that came out wrong. What? So you could have helped make her more money by her pretending that you're her pimp. Because of the big, hey, daddy's watching back. Oh, yeah, hold on a second. I think you're getting a little... Uh, the girl I was with was saying I was her pimp, not the weird girl. Oh, no, okay. I was I was tracking inaccurately then, and definitely not saying I was her John because that'd just be weird. I didn't even go down you don't, that path. Don't don't pay for it. That's I, just weird. I wasn't going down that path. Well, this was an interesting. No, it's just advice. Of, interesting round of story time with Willie, where we find out about his uh, makeshift pimping days. I mean. I found it pretty easy being a pimp. I don't know what these other motherfuckers are saying. Oh, God, <laughs> no, I, I didn't even know I was. I didn't even know I was. What was going on? And I still did it. Willie yeah. Nelson, the oblivious pimp. The pimping oblivious is easy, pimp. bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who's a better pimp, him or Butters. Oh, he got those raisins, girls. He got those high quality raisin girls. It's true. God, I wish <sighs> South Park was on right now. Why did they do that? Why? <laughs> because it's South Park. Raisins. <laughs> what? Draftsman in the chat room. Willie is a hapless pimp. <laughs> hapless pimp. There we go. I like that. I like that. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. It's it's pretty good wordplay. I enjoy it. <laughs> uh, the unbeknownest pimp. <laughs> well, Willie, thank you for sharing the, uh, the story about how pimping ain't easy. We do appreciate it. Uh, I mean... I mean, you, you you get named Willie Nelson, you're going to have some stories. I don't doubt that one. Life gets a little weird. It's true. Willie says that he's got stories. Well, we got stories, too, because it's time for the news of the week. Oh. Live from the ATGN studios on uh, the internet, it's the news of the week. Welcome to the news of the week. It's that part of the show where we run down in our minds... 
with some of the most interesting geeky and or nerdy news to have popped up in the past week is, and I can't think of anyone better to start but our very own hapless pimp, one Willie D. Nelson. What news you got for us this week, sir? Uh, well, I'm just going to state what the news is, and then I'm going to say a lot of my opinion, and we're just going to go from there. Uh, it's not the yeah. opinion of the week, it's the news of the week. Tell us it's the my opinion. Well, all, everything we, we say after we always give our <laughs> yeah. opinion. It is all very opinionated opinion. news. We we never claim to be fair and balanced or anything. We present the news and then our opinion on it. So we are opinion based journalism here on the All Things Good and Nerdy oh, podcast. Oh no no no! I'm fair and balanced. I will tell you what's what. Then I'll then I'm going to say how I feel about it. So I'm going to tell you. I'm not telling you you how to feel about it. I'm telling you how I feel about it afterwards. Mm. that works so willie how do you feel about whatever this topic is so um so universal uh since they can't really release movies in theaters they decided to release that uh the latest trolls movie on uh on demand pretty much and i think from what i saw it made five times the amount of the first trolls movie and yes we're talking about trolls there's a lot of parents who want kids to be preoccupied with something else. Well, they can't very well give them Bloodshot to watch. Oh, they can. Yeah, but they, they can. won't watch I mean, it. I did buy it. I haven't watched it yet. But that's neither here I mean, nor there. I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, it's out, honestly, though. if you have really low expectations, it's honestly not that bad. I mean, I paid less than 10 bucks for it, so I was okay with it. But Willie, back to you. Sorry. So, yeah. yeah um, so, you, so Universal just released it straight to Video On Demand. And there is a company that said, hmm, yeah, we don't like that. And that'd be the uh, theater chain of AMC. They really did not like that fact. In fact, they did not like it so much that they have said, yeah, well, Universal, we're just not showing any of your movies in our theaters. And AMC is, if not already the largest, they are one of the largest theater chains. Uh, I think I read that they are the largest. I thought they were number two behind Regal. Hmm. I'm not 100% sure. I will look that up while we're discussing this. I mean, it doesn't affect me because, I mean, I got the Regal movie pass, or at least, you know, it's on hiatus right now, but so I mean, it's not really going to affect me. So that's what AMC is saying. Pretty much, yeah, Universal, you can go uh, expletive delete of yourself. Oh, my. And uh, my feeling is that is that's pretty, I mean, I mean, I get why, but what do these movie theaters expect of the studios to do just to lose out on all this money just to just just sit there and do nothing well the other thing i get is a studio or a a movie theater chain being like oh we're gonna take a stand right now when we already can't open and make any money so i think distance ourselves from studios i think the bigger point was universal (laughs) said they weren't opposed in the future to taking more of these things that are theatrical release and then early releasing them for a screening at home where like, for instance, if you wanted to watch trolls right now, it's 20 bucks to rent it or something like that. And they were talking about how they could theoretically do the same with fast and the furious and some of their other franchises. So if you're a theater owner, that's taking money out of your pocket because we've talked about on this show before that in a lot of cases, say the first two or three weeks, the movie is out in theaters, the box or the theater cut is minimal. They're making most of their money off concessions and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's after say week three or whatever it's negotiated after that week, they start to get a percentage of what the ticket sales are. So if you are universal and you say, Hey, we're going to start putting fast and furious out digitally a month after it's released in theaters. And you're one of these theater chains. You go, well, wait a second. What is my incentive to show this? I might get some extra concessions money, but by the time it's to a point where I make money off ticket sales, 
then they already have the option to go and watch it at home. And we've talked about before, and one of the things I've mentioned when it comes to digital versus physical is convenience trumps fidelity in a lot of cases. It's a lot easier for me to push a button on my remote and say, okay, I'm going to start watching Fast and Furious 9 now versus drive 20 minutes across town, buy a ticket, buy concessions, and watch the movie there. So I think that's more of what the point is, is it starts establishing a precedent where these big releases that a lot of people are going to want to see, if they release them early, then the movie theater cut is far less. Mm. Yeah. Do you actually buy concessions, though? Uh, Some people do. You don't have to. You don't have to. But remember, from the movie theater's point of view, the first X number of weeks of movies out. Oh, I know. That's the big money driver is the concessions on those movies. So. If you're in their seat, if you're sitting in their position and go, okay, you're going to take this movie out of my or release it on your own so people can watch it not in a theater in a certain window that is during the time where we start making money off ticket sales. Why would I want to do this? What What is my incentive for even showing this to begin with? Well, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying like, uh, yeah, I rarely get cons- – I, I mean I might get a drink if I go. But, I mean, I don't do popcorn. I really hate popcorn. Well, I stop at the Dollar Tree store that's right next door to the movie theater, and I buy a box of uh, candy and put it in my pocket, and then I might buy a drink. You're part of the problem. I'm not part of the problem. <laughs> that same candy costs 7 bucks in the movie theater. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, Jurassic in the chat room has the same point that I'm trying. What else can theaters do? Start a popcorn delivery service? The theater's taking a stand against not providing the only thing that they provide. Okay, so now you're not going to show every available film that you can put in your theater, so you have less content to get less people into your theater. Good job, AMC. And also, since this this movie made five (laughs) times the amount of the original movie, okay, so which is telling you something. What it's telling you is coronavirus. Yeah, Yeah, I mean. you also just told me if you could do it at, from home instead of going to a theater, you would. In a lot of cases, yes. But at this point yeah. where I still have a movie pass that turns back on whenever movie theaters open, that being able to go see multiple movies per month for the cost of one digital release, that's kind of influential in my mind. But I, I think you have to be very careful how you read these numbers on Trolls World Tour because the movie came out right at the start of the pandemic Everything shut down. And like you said, there's a lot of parents wanting to give their kids something to watch yeah. that's new so that they can go and do other things and things like that. And I think their kids have been locked in house with their parents for two months now and haven't done anything. Right. It's- oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the kids are not saying I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked, <laughs> You're locked in, in here, here with, with me. me. Yeah. The and then they get straight you know, grease thrown on, on their face, hot grease thrown on their face. Because <laughs> little kids are bastards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but that that's the big thing there. It's the same thing we saw with Pixar's Onward, is while the numbers might have looked down for a Pixar movie, we don't really know what they're going to look like because like in week two of its release or three, that's when all the theaters shut down, which is why they put it out early on digital and then put it out early on Disney Plus. And evidently it's been getting yep. watched a shit ton on Disney Plus. I watched it. It's, it's cute. there. Yeah, yeah. A, it was on Disney Plus like two weeks after it went digital. They yeah. said in two like, weeks it'll hit Disney Plus. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago. It popped up on yeah. uh, on Disney Plus, and it was actually really good. I enjoyed it. So it's, it's very hard to look at the numbers of these digital releases, say like Bloodshot, Onward, uh, Trolls World Tour, and stuff like that, and glean what that would mean if we were in a world that was normal right now. Like if the theaters were still operating as they were supposed to, I wager the Trolls numbers wouldn't quite be the same. And that's the reason why I think AMC is just kind of being dickish. They come out looking dickish in this whole ordeal because this is the current state of things. What do you expect? So I sort of agree with you to a point, but the other point is if they don't say anything now, when do they say something? 
When do they say something and when and how effective is it when they say it? Because remember, other theater chains have also chimed in and said similar things after AMC took that stance. I believe Regal and Cinemark also issued something to that effect that they had grave reservations about what this would mean for the movie theater industry and things like that. And if those three companies, going back to what we talked about at first, you were right, AMC is the biggest chain right now, according to the stats I pulled from July 2018. So they're about a year and a half old. So AMC at top, Regal in second, and then Cinemark in third. We just named the three biggest movie theater chains in the United States. Uh, AMC, according to this, had about 8,200 screens at that point in time. Regal, 7,300, and Cinemark, 4,500. So you've got the three biggest chains in America, which grossly out, that are much larger than the fourth place chain with 1,600 screens, saying we have reservations about this and what it means for us. And yes, that reservation is on their bottom line. They know that because this is how they make money. But if you're a theater, what are you supposed to do? If you don't take a stand and be like, hey, we have concerns over this. What happens when everything starts back up and you get a three weeks exclusivity window for Fast and Furious 9? And whether you like that franchise or not, it makes crap loads of money. It depends upon if there was anything said privately between the companies before this just came out saying, well, you know what? Screw you guys. That's all, you know, if if. They tried to talk to him or something like that. No, instead of just coming and saying, you know what? Universe Studios, you cut off. You're done. You're never working in this town again. I don't know what all that would have entailed. Because that just seems like a knee-jerk reaction. And no one likes those. I don't know that it's necessarily a knee-jerk reaction. I think it's a quick reaction. Well, okay, so knee-jerk. That's what we're a knee-jerk reaction yeah. is. So knee-jerk is more instinctive, though, where there's not necessarily thought into it, is my thought. And Are we talking semantics now? You know what I meant. So you're talking a reflex. I'm talking a quick reaction where they realized we had to have a strategy to combat this. So I think they're slightly different. But they're still punishing them. That's what that's what they've. I mean, because they pretty much have said that. Uh, I think they either. I think I've read that they said they're up for renegotiating their. Uh, you know the terms of like, you know the profit sharing or whatever it right. is. So whatever the, the term is for them. So to clarify here, because we didn't do a good job discussing what these relationships are. Uh, Complex.com had an article where they talk about what the typical relationship is between a cinema chain and film distributors. Mm-hmm. So according to this, studios like Universal lease out a movie to excuse me, lease out a movie to a theater in exchange for a portion of ticket sales. It's a symbiotic relationship as theaters need movies to show and studios need the distribution abilities of the screens to ensure it's seen by a large number of people. As part of this agreement, theater chains are typically granted an exclusive 90-day period known as windowing, wherein they receive the exclusive rights to show a film. The two groups then split the money the movie makes during the course of its run. However, this model has been challenged in recent years by streaming services, most notably Netflix, as those platforms have proven a studio can release content to a hungry audience and have it seen by a large number of people immediately. So that's the background on it. They continue and say, as the coronavirus ravaged Hollywood, Cinemas and studios alike were left in a compromising position. With theaters closed, there's no traditional option to showcase the product. The ten- this tension is why we've seen a number of studios looking to recoup and possibly embrace releasing movies on premium video-on-demand platforms. The initial wave with Invisible Man, The Hunt, The Way Back, Onward, were all films already released to theaters prior to the corona shutting everything down. Crucially, these movies moved to the partial video-on-demand after their release, still provide an element of windowing, still adhering to the standard relationship. The same can't be said for Trolls World Tour. Originally set to release on April 17th, it was moved up a week to April 10th to offer a day and date digital and theatrical release for the few theaters that were still open. Technically, this move violated any resemblance of windowing. Let's see. uh, 
One last thing on this. Uh, however, most chains don't seem to make much of a fuss publicly, at least. That changed with a report from the Wall Street Journal on April 28th. Since its North America release on April 10th, the movie that made an estimated $100 million from PVOD sales, this amount is under the $153 million domestic gross the original Trolls made back in 2016, but Universal gets to keep all of the $100 million because they don't have to share those funds with a theater chain. To add further insult to injury, NBC Universal Jeff Schell then doubled down, saying, Soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats, theatrically and partial video on demand. It was after those comments that all hell broke loose. So basically what those statements make it sound like is we are going to shut down the business model that works for you or make it so that you're making less money. And AMC is supposedly in dire financial straits as it is right now. Ooh. <laughs> so that is probably why AMC was one of the first to respond because coronavirus shut everything down. They weren't the most stable financially from what I'd read. And now it's, oh, and any chance of recouping that when everyone's like, I can finally go see movies and wants to go see everything. Yeah, well, we're going to cut that and make it so you're making less money off of that. I, mm. I, I sound like I'm siding with the big business here, but I'm siding with the smaller big business. So that makes me feel a little less corporate, big. Chris. The smaller big, well, that's all corporations. <laughs> no matter which side you take on this. Uh, cinema, a, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. There's none, something stupid. Uh, so the comment they had here, there were two comments in this article I should bring up. Uh, AMC's uh, CEO, Adam Aaron, called Shell's comments unacceptable, issued a damning statement saying along with it, effectively, immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. That's the thing that Willie had talked about at the top. Then the Cinemark owner came in, chimed in, and said, We made it clear again that we will not be showing movies that fail to respect the windows as it does not make any economic sense for us. And the Regal owner, Regal, also chimed in and agreed with that. So... More of what this is, is they're going, hey, you're trying to F us over here. No, we won't show anything because where's the motivation for us to show these things? And let's be honest, in today's world, there's other movies out there. They may not make as much money, but at least they're making some money versus no money. Well, here's my rebuttal. Go All ahead. right, then open up your theaters and show the movies then. Oh, wait, you can't. I'm not arguing that that, that you should <laughs> that you should be able to. I'm just saying that it's not possible right now. That's fine so, now. <laughs> but but the argument, know, the argument they're making is... X number of weeks after coronavirus pandemic ends, or they open things up so you can go back to the theaters. It's that still going to be shaky after it opens. I agree. Opens. Oh, yeah. I agree. They're going to be having packed houses day one. And like they're probably going, going to have to do like 50% theater sizes and stuff like that to maintain yeah. social distancing and things like that. But the point they're making is that if you don't respect the windowing, this is going to screw us. So what is the incentive for us to even show it? And I sort of get it. From a consumer standpoint, it kind of sucks because some of these things are really fun to go and see on the big screen. Ouch. I mean, I love going to yeah, see it. But unless all the theater chains like get together and fight Universal or Warner Brothers or any other companies doing this, I mean, so if, what if Universal says, you know what? Fuck AMC. You're getting none of our movies from now on, and we will open them day and date on digital with any theater that wants to release our films. So you're if saying- all the theaters say no, then Universal's like, Eh, fuck it. We'll just put it on streaming service. So you're saying pretty much anything. Uh, you're saying no. I, you can't fire me. I quit. Exactly. The theaters don't provide a service that's really necessary. And if anything, the coronavirus has proven that people like to go to movies. Nobody has to. So here, here's something to consider: the three companies we've named here: AMC, Regal, Cinemark. You combine the three of them, and they are larger than the next seven in the top ten U.S. theater chains. Yeah. 
you you take Regal by itself and it's bigger than the bottom seven. Now, yeah, Cinemark is not, but I mean, that, that's that's huge difference. So if you're going to take, let's argue and say this comprises 66% of the screens in the United States, which is probably a low estimate, 60%, 66% of theaters are no longer going to show your movies. It's kind of problematic. Yes, you might, you'll get a hundred percent of the partial of the uh, streaming version of it. What does it mean though? A lot of people, the movie theater is also a, sh- a social thing. Like, I don't know what I want to do. You guys are going to watch a movie and then randomly go in and walk some, walk in and see something. You don't necessarily get that as easily with the streaming stuff. At least that's not how it works for me. I don't randomly go through the make. Yeah, I kind of want to see that. Yeah. So that's the only uh, argument I'm making. I think it's going to be weird. This is all negotiation. They're all setting up bullshit to negotiate is what it comes down to. True. And they, uh, I just saw there's an update too, uh, cause Oscars had said that they have to accept streaming movies this year. Only this year. But they say. now it's, they're saying it's only this year. Which is so bullshit. the arguments, yeah, the arguments being made that the Oscars need to accept any movies released on streaming because they're still fucking movies. Yeah. But, but the Oscars will never agree yeah. to that when there's not a coronavirus. It's basically forcing that because yep. it is not the art of film and cinema if it is on streaming. And I call yeah. bullshit because if you've seen some of the stuff Netflix has put out direct to streaming, there's some gorgeous work they've done. Some of their biographies are amazing. All right, two things here. Uh, one, before I say any of this, fuck the Oscars for real. I just it's all politicalness. Agreed. Agreed. That's I all don't it disagree. is. Yeah, it's you, an old you white bid, man popularity behind the scenes stuff. It's an old probably... white man popularity show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so who cares? Uh, two, does I? I mean, I haven't. You just said this, and I'm guessing. Does any streaming movie? Doesn't matter what platform it goes streams on. Let's make a movie, guys, and put it on uh, YouTube and uh, apply for that that, uh, that so, Oscar. So that is some of the arguments that were made for restricting streaming platforms is that they didn't have a clear delineation of what were valid streaming platforms for. Yeah, a we movie can't release. be our tours. This is bullshit. Yeah, because technically now, then anything made by HBO, anything by Netflix, anything Disney, like it should all qualify for Oscars this year. Everything. Wait, that, oh, yeah, that's right. It didn't. Yeah, it used to be you had good stuff. What was it? You had to do 14 days in a theater, I think was the minimum requirement. Which is why Netflix bought up one of those small theaters just so they could put them on in their own theater and be like, okay, F you, this is how we get it. We're going to show our own movie for 14 days. That's why Bright is an Oscar contender. (laughs) (laughs) Before we wrap this up, Draftsman had posted in the chat room. He goes, see, what we were talking about is this. The big studios and the theater chains are very well aware that the times we live in are going to be around longer than we thought. They are planning and fighting over the money that could be made. He says the theaters want the studios to hurt like they do right now. I mean, the studios do have to make a decision at some point in time. What do you do with all these movies you've got filmed and in the can? Are you going to keep sitting on them and eventually release in theater? Are you going to just release them directly on streaming? Are you going to put them on, if you're uh, Time Warner, directly on your HBO platform? Or if you're Disney, straight to Disney Plus, stuff like that. They've got things they're going to need to figure out. I mean, some things, tentpole franchise films and stuff like that, they're going to push out because I really doubt that Black Widow is going to come to Disney Plus exclusively and not go to theaters. Let's be honest here. I doubt Wonder Wonder Woman 84 is going to hit HBO Max and not the big screens. Do you think any theater would have the balls to tell Disney? No, we're not going to show any Disney movie ever. No, they'll stand up to Universal. No theater chain will say no to Disney. But here's the thing. How strange is it? It's not Disney making this stance yet oh god disney <laughs> could they could just yeah they could just put their dick right on the table i mean let's, let's also remember that hey, in- you guys theaters you see this dick right here Suck <laughs> it yeah universal is also nbc slash comcast so keep that in mind too when it comes to uh 
shady crap. Because they could also then be like, we'll just put it exclusively on Comcast cable then. Or something like that. Like on demand on Comcast. Things like that. Because they own it. Oh, yeah. Well, the NBC Comcast, they could put it on Peacock. Or Peacock, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Fast still... and the Furious 9 comes out direct Peacock. On the cockery. <laughs> Straight cock. The jokes write themselves right there. Yep. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how this develops. Let's be honest here. It's going to be really interesting. I don't know. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be fun. This is the Wild West we living in. The Wild Wild West. You going to start rapping like Will Smith now? Uh, I'm not. uh, I can't do wild. I can't do wicked wild. (laughs) Fucky fucky wild. Oh, shit. I fucked up already. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about movies. Let's go and talk about another movie possibility that's out there. For those of you that aren't aware, just recently, Community hit Netflix. Community has been bringing in huge numbers on Netflix, supposedly. Every day you log on to Netflix, you see it's one of their top 10 shows, as tons of people are watching it. And if you did watch the show, you do know one of their catchphrases was Watched hashtag. It all. Yeah. One of their catchphrases was hashtag six seasons in a movie. They did get the six seasons, and everyone's like, oh, man, I wish we could get the movie. Well, there's slightly more opportunity now. It seems like some of the actors have come out and started talking about the potential of a movie. Uh, Danny Pudi, who plays Abed, spoke about the rumors that a film continuation was possibly in the works. But now Joel McHale has also spoken out about the film. He did an interview with comicbook.com where he described what's been going on lately. And here is what he said. He said, quote, well, because I think people started getting calls from Sony about it. I didn't, which is disturbing, but I know Allison tweeted out that she got an actual call from Sony. So that's really cool. And that's why I think it's even more real than ever, because if Sony's going to get behind it, then it could happen. I don't know if we're going to get Donald because he's the busiest person. He turned into <laughs> one of the most famous people on the planet. If we could get him for an hour, that would be great. So I do think it's more real than it's ever been. For a long time, I was like, there's not a chance. Then all of a sudden, in the last few months, I was like, holy crap, there's a chance. He continued and said, we always kind of joked about it. So there hasn't so there hasn't been a new text chain saying, dude, are you in? There's never been anything like that. We've always kind of joked about it. I think pretty much everyone is, excuse me, I think pretty much everyone is the, is game if it could actually come together. As you know, you can talk about a movie like this or something like that, but scripts have to be written, pandemics have to be lifted, schedules have to be cleared. There's tons of moving parts. I'll say I'm definitely in it, in it had it happened because I still count it as one of the coolest things I ever got to do. Dan really came up with one humdinger of a show. As he put it. So it sounds like Sony has started reaching out to some of the actors about potential for a follow on community store. Bear in mind, Joe and Anthony Russo were some of the first people involved in that show, directed a lot of episodes, were Mm -hmm. producers on it. Joe and Anthony Russo can make whatever the hell they want right now because of all the money they brought to Disney. That's why they did, uh, what was the movie they did with Chadwick Boseman with the, the lockdown of the railway? Oh, it was like a, 42 bridges or whatever yeah, something like that they also did extraction with hemsworth with netflix a lot of bridges yeah. I, I can't remember what the fuck it was called so they are getting involved with producing a lot of things that have been relatively successful on top of the avengers movies and captain america movies they've done so if you get someone like the russos are like hey we're really interested in doing a send-off to community wrapping things up and you can get dan Harmon on board you can get the entire cast back that would be pretty cool. And I'm sure Netflix at this point in time, seeing the numbers the community is doing for them would be kind of be like, okay, we will, we will be the studio for community, the movie, which then gives them something in the future. Cause they are licensing community right now to broadcast it, that they would then have the exclusive rights to the movie. Theoretically, if they were the studio and would be able to keep that on hand and then potentially use that as leverage to maintain community on their streaming service. 
do I think it's going to happen? I think we're talking like a 15% chance of it happening, which is better than like the 1% chance we had jokingly. I would love to see it happen just so that the punchline happens. And I will say I've been rewatching a lot of community because it's fun to turn on when I'm in the kitchen cooking dinner or just putzing about the house, working on cleaning up projects and stuff like that. And it still holds up pretty damn well, aside from season four, because it's kind of shitty where they lost their way. But like the first three seasons, well, no Dan Harmon. Yeah. First three seasons are fantastic. Season five has good elements and so does season six. But the show really suffered when they started losing the core group of people. Like when Donald Glover Man. left the show, it was very hard to maintain some of the stuff that was going on because the Troy and Abed dynamic was one of the best parts in it. And yeah, it lost a lot going. of the heart of the show when he left. I don't know. And it's I, 21 Bridges. That's what it was. I would be, There's it was 42 was the Jackie Robinson movie that he was in. That's probably where we got to 42. But I would be in for a community movie. I, I don't have legitimate expectations it's going to happen, but this is enough to have me go, oh man, that would be really cool. I hope this can happen. I don't know. You guys want it? Hell I yeah. Think, Hashtag I mean, six seasons in a movie. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm indifferent to it. I don't really care. Did you watch Community, Willie? I tried to start it and it just didn't catch me okay that's fair so i mean i mean i'll be sure i mean it'd be cool if they did for the joke i mean that'd be funny but i don't know that's what happened the first two times i started watching it i started watching when it first came out and i watched like the first four episodes or so like as it was live premiering and i was like eh it's okay and then later like the first streaming service i caught it on i watched like two or three episodes and then fell off it again went and watched something else and then this time i sat down and watched the entire thing all the way through like i loved it you too became one of the Chang glorious bastards. Damn right. It has changed my life. It gave me Changnesia almost. <laughs> At least I don't suffer from that. No. I might. You've got Changnesia? Yeah. It would be funny though, because yeah, like when that show first came out, it had to be Joel McHale was the big paycheck and then Chevy Chase. And man, those paychecks would be very different this time around. <laughs> well, I guess it would depend on how long they have Donald Glover on set for what that paycheck would be. Yeah, th- wait, wait, wait. They'd, have, they'd have to get Dan Harmon involved so that Dan Harmon could pay Donald Glover to be there with his Rick and Morty money. <laughs> well, and they could bring Justin Rowland back because he did some voiceover work for Community at one point in time also. I like in season did six. it just sound like Morty? Sound yeah. a little bit like Morty, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I would love to see it happen. I'm going back and rewatching Community right now. And man, some of those theme episodes are really good. Like the 8-bit video game one, the uh, Dungeons and Dragons episode, stuff like that. Really good stuff. I had missed. I forgot how much I enjoyed it, and I'm going back through and enjoying rewatching it. I'm sorry you didn't care for it, Willie. I think I think if it hooks you, or if you get to the point where the hook's set, you would enjoy it because it has like video game comedy and things like that in it that you would enjoy and stuff like that as well. I am not saying yeah. anything bad about the show. I'm just saying no, I no. don't know anything much about. It. No, no. Just want to state. Sorry, not for you. Yeah, I didn't want to make it seem like I was trying. I, you said it just didn't really catch on with you, which I get. That's how I was at first too. And the only reason I kept watching it was because I was like, "There's something here." And then eventually, I was like, "Oh, this shit's hilarious," and it clicked with me. I think honestly think it took them like six episodes before they finally realized we can't do the traditional sitcom BS. Let's do our own thing. And that's when it kind of pivoted and became pretty damn funny. Yeah, because it's definitely not like anything else. Now, looking back on stuff uh, to bring Chevy Chase back, how did how did he get back into that show? Well, I don't he's understand. Dead in the show. They yeah, he off died. His character. Well, I, I mean, just in general, <laughs> like like in the first place in season so, one. Like, how they? I how, mean, everything I've ever heard about Chevy Chase is that he's just straight up an asshole. So honestly, I think what it was was right before Community started, he had a short run on Chuck, where he was the bad guy. 
on Chuck where he was funny as mm. the bad guy and was pretty damn good on screen. And from all reports, was pretty good to have on set. He wasn't a problem. So I think that it might be a matter of they watched. It would not surprise me if the folks that ran Community were fans of Chuck because they have very much the same kind of audience and things like that. So it would not surprise me if they went, man, this would be a good fit for this crotchety old man who tells racist, homophobic jokes. And you kind of get this side wink. But <laughs> it's Chevy also. So we already know he's an asshole in real life. So I honestly think that might be part of it because he was like, I watched him in Chuck and he went straight from that season in Chuck as the bad guy to being Pierce Hawthorne in Community when it started the next year. So I think that's what did it, is they took a chance with him on Chuck, and that opened doors for him to get back on TV, which he then firmly shut by being an asshole to Dan Harmon, and Dan Harmon was an <laughs> asshole back, but I had the power to be like, fuck you, you're fired, this is my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you're already working for a company, it's a lot easier for them to see you, know that you're working. If you're doing well at the time, go from one show to another, so I mean... There's some, you know, there's some actors that they'll just end up doing NBC shows their entire life because once they meet producers and casting agents, and they're in that company, like they just hang around. Fair. Mm. That's all I had for my story, though. Let's uh, wrap things up with one, Mister Anthony Bachman. I don't believe he's talking about Community or movie chains, though. No, not this time. I'm actually talking about uh, a, a slight return to normal. Um, it has been confirmed that uh, Diamond Comic Distributors has put out their list. And we will be getting titles uh, shipped on uh, Wednesday, May 20th for their sale target date. So new comic book day will start again on May 20th. Um, They're showing that um, DC will have all of the previously revealed titles released on that same day. So apparently there's going to be a glutton of DC books. Uh, The Marvel list is only like 11 titles. So it's like Black Cat 11, Captain America, Snapshot 1, Deadpool 5, Empire, Avenger 0, because Marvel was just about to go into their summer event when all of this stopped. So, But yeah, there's like five or six more tiles, and then DC has a list of, it's got to be 60 books. So apparently they're just going to drop all of them at once because DC's crazy. But then also uh, Image, IDW, Boom, Dark Horse, Dynamite, like almost all the studios have at least one or two books coming out, so it, it looks like they're they're the plan is by the end of May to be getting back into the the normal swing of comic book production. So most of the people that were not working, I'm assuming now are probably back at work. You know the the artists and writers that are sitting you know working from home anyways. But yeah, it looks like there's a a, a slight return to normal. But yeah, that's because they had talked about not. Um, the, the guy that runs Diamond was talking on uh, Fat Man and Batman about not trying to crush the comic book stores by just dumping all this stuff on them. It's like, you know, if they've got two months worth of comic books, you can't release those all in one day. Well, and as a consumer, depending on the state I live in, I may not be able to actually go to my comic book store to get anything as part of the problem. Exactly. Still. There's a lot yeah. of states that have not rescinded stay-at-home orders or have thin them down to like recommendation that you stay at home, which means people are going to go out, be idiots and it's all going to spike again. But yeah, you can't go to these stores, which is a problem for these, uh, for the comic book stores. Like we have to pay for this, but now we can't sell it because people can't come in and buy it. So I've given you a bunch of cash. I have no cash to pay for the next order and people still can't come in and pick up orders. Yeah. And then you have States like mine where our comic books are open on Friday. Yeah. Cause Idaho doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just weird that they talked about not flooding the stores with with the uh, yeah the backed up like catalog of merchandise and DC's like no here's every fucking book we were planning for the last two months just eat it 
eat it all. <laughs> and Marvel's like, here's 10 books. He's into it. He's into it. <laughs> but yeah, the list is, uh, it's on Newsarama. It's been published. So apparently like comic books are coming. It's just a question of when, when we'll get them and how, how quickly though everything will get back on track, but they are coming. I mean, no, I did good. actually take this opportunity being unemployed and I give notice on my pull list for all but three titles. I'm down to three books now. That's it. I've narrowed down my listing a lot too, and I'm considering doing more because at this point in time, and I know it sucks for the local folks, but you know, you can just wait six months after a run is done and then they do like the sales online and stuff like that. And you go, okay, I can kind of live being six months behind if it means I'm spending a third the money I was on comics before, especially as they start pushing more $6 issues and stuff like that. But when enough people do that and they don't sell the yeah, actual no. issues, then the story gets canceled and you don't get six issues to make it to a trade. The day they cancel <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man is the day the world truly ends. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of my three. It's one of my three. Yeah, cause I thought about it. I've got like, I think I'm creeping up on like 400 issues in a row of Amazing Spider-Man that mm-hmm. I own. Like, it's the book I've been collecting the longest that has never stopped because it's fucking Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, it's been relaunched once in that time with an actual new number one before they went back to the legacy numbering, I believe. But yeah, the other two books I'm getting have been relaunched an unbelievable amount of times because I'm back on Wolverine number two, I think. And then um, uh, the new X-Men book, Post Hickman's uh, Hox Pox, with the weird Krakoa uh, X-Men where they have their own country right now, which is a really funky story. Like, I've been enjoying that. It's Hickman, so it's going to be funky. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Funky and lots of graphic design. Like, oh my god, his graphic design. Like, yeah, it's it's a lot like his uh, his run on the Avengers when he did, like, the Galactic Avengers. Like, his update and changes to the X-Men has been pretty cool. But yeah, that's literally, like, the, those are the three books I'm down to. That Galactic Avengers, I had a real hard time with it, though, just because it was so grand in scale. I was like, I have no idea what's happening now. There's wheels within wheels. And it was one of those that was easier to read when it was all collected versus going week to week. Yeah, I read it all on Comixology. And yeah, I could I could see how like weekly that shit would have been hard to understand because it was so much about tactical like space battles. Yeah. With super powered gods like there was so much going on. Yeah. Like when you have Captain America and Gladiator sitting there figuring out how the tactics of attacking on like three different fronts with all these different, you know, space gods at the same time. Yeah. That that was some shit. <laughs> like Hickman yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was a fun it's a fun read though. It's a good collected it's a good collected book to read. Yes, it's a much easier collected read than it is week to week, I think. But I think that does wrap up the news of the week. But before we shut this show down, a friendly reminder, we do one last segment called What I'm Into. It's our chance to share with you guys who are watching live or listening at a later date just what kind of geeky and or nerdy things we've been getting into so that maybe, just maybe, you would want to check them out yourselves. Who would like to start us off this week? Willie, what are you doing? I'm looking at Bachman. Ah. <laughs> see? Ah, I see. So, Bachman, why don't you start hey, things nope, off for us? What, what are you talking about, man? You know, being all you know loud what Navy stands for? Never again volunteer yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I'm volunteering you. That's why I didn't step forward and volunteer myself. Chris, what do you guys say about this? <laughs> uh, rock, paper, scissors right now. No. <laughs> Rochambo. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> Chop off the finger, I win. All right, well, I'll go first then, which is problematic because <laughs> I hadn't put my list together, so I'm going to be a... Uh... But I'll go first. I haven't really done a whole lot besides play 
Dead by Daylight, and uh, I finished up Final Fantasy VII Remake, or Part 1. So, what are your the, thoughts on... It's really a Part 1, because it's not... There's, it's, it's not you finished it. Disc 1 of the original series. Pretty much. Yeah, so what are your and thoughts on a, Remake as you wrapped it up? There's a lot of... There's some stuff to say about the future installments, but uh, we'll, we'll maybe tease that for next week. That's fair. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I think I played it for over 40 hours to beat it. So it's a good in-depth game. you got a lot of content in there. Uh, I still have to go back in and do some other stuff just for fun. I am definitely doubt I'll go try and get the platinum for it. But it is uh, fun. Chris, have you played it any more at all? Uh, maybe another 30 minutes of it. I've played a lot mm. of Animal Crossing this week and then Diablo because I had a digital copy of it on my Switch. Mm. Sorry, buddy. Right. And, uh, yeah, some Dead by Daylight, too. They started the new tome this week. And I'm already at tier 11, I want to say. Tier 12, maybe. I've already done all the survivor challenges in the first chapter of the tome. So that's done. And all the, I think, all the. Damn, you already got the first chapter of Survivor stuff done? Yeah. Has it, was it only been out hard. like four days? It's none of us that hard. Except for the palette stunning a killer twice in one match. Mm. Because you have to get a killer that doesn't respect the palettes and just tries to go for it. Yeah. And of course, I got tired of that happening, so I changed up my challenges. And in the in my very next match... I was like, I palette stunned the killer. I was like, yeah, I got it. I was like, shit, I fucking forgot to change the challenge. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I got it later on. Though. It was, yeah, it's just some, um, well, it's a little weird since they also have a huntress challenge on and huntresses don't really, they don't have to worry about the pallets because as soon as you throw them, they can throw their hatchet at you and it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that was one challenge long. I got done with the killer was doing the, the hatchets. <laughs> yeah. So I just have to go in and uh, do some killer challenges now. One of them looks seems really easy. Make make the survivor scream a certain amount of times. All right. I don't Doc. mind playing doctor. Yep. <laughs> I don't yep. have to put on an infection. Right? One electric surge and you're done. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Make three people scream in one match or something like that. That's easy. Yeah. Screw your infectious fright. I don't need it. Whoa. Nor do I actually have it. But yeah, I just got a uh, Leatherface and a uh, Ghostface, and I'm gonna be trying to level up because I want the uh, I want um, barbecue and chili, the best perk in the game. I was gonna say yeah, so you haven't had Leatherface this whole time. No wonder you never played Killer. You don't have, you don't have the best perk in the game for getting blood points. Yeah, just I mean, playing Killer with barbecue and chili, like you can't make more points than that as a survivor. Like it's not possible. I mean, you could with we're gonna make it or what's that one? No, we're the forever. we're gonna live forever. The David perk. Yeah. Not yeah. usually, because usually even then your killer score is going to outdo a survivor score. And oh, so if yeah. you get to multiply that, as long as you hook all four survivors with barbecue and chili, you're basically guaranteed to make more blood points than any survivor match you play. Yeah, I don't get how these kill. How, a lot of my matches, I make more points than the killer, and I don't understand that. That means you're playing killer wrong. Yeah, usually. <laughs> and I. I have I've been the one dead, and I make more points than the killer this week. How? 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 Magic. Uh, he's put, he's putting in work because he's looping killer looping killers and uh, looping killers and touching generators. Got the magic fingers, buddy. <laughs> the banana rama, as they call it. Oh dear lord! Or as I call it. And uh, I haven't really watched any new movies. Um, uh, just watched Knives Out again. Still I love good. That movie. 
Still one of my favorite things is Chris Evans just gonna be like, eat shit, eat shit. You eat shit. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed that, like how they had to put him in baggy clothes the entire time yes. to, to hide his Captain America physique. Yeah, because I mean, that's it's baggy sweater, baggy sweater, baggy yeah. sweater. It's all on. about the cable knit sweater. That's all. It's full well, I mean, fashion. the whole the whole point of that role is to say, hey, I'm an actor. I'm not Captain America. Yeah, like that was the whole point of him doing that movie. And so the last thing you want to do is have him in a tight white T-shirt. I was like, oh, it's just Captain America and his family in a murder. Well, mystery. And let's be honest, if you saw the cast of people who was going to be in that movie and you were an actor, you're like, I want to be in that because of how many yeah. different names were in there and what it would be like to work with some of those folks. Oh, yeah. you got to figure. I yeah. mean, from what I've seen of the behind the scenes stuff, they had a blast filming that fucking thing. The uh, the eat shit scene. That's all of them in there. Yeah, that's the one scene that where you have everyone in there, I believe. Yep, the one. Yeah, it's an enjoyable movie. Everyone except the deceased patriarch is in the room. At well, that point. I mean, yes. Well, I mean, you can't really blame that one. Well, I know. I'm just pointing out that that I know you're pointing out hundred percent accurate. But was a little Chris Evans weird. also had a had a scene just with him. Yeah. So yeah, he got to work with everybody. They and all had like just a scene with him. Movie. Yeah, I except for so. the daughter and the Nazi kid. Yeah, the Nazi kid didn't get a scene with a lot of people, I don't think. Well, he's a Nazi kid. Who, yeah. who cares? Yeah. That's that's fair. <laughs> so I'll go next with what I've been getting into. I have two episodes left of All American that I've been watching on Netflix, which is a CW show I didn't realize, but I enjoyed it. So I already set my DVR to record it when it comes back in October. But I've been having a lot of fun with that. been watching Community, mostly when I'm cooking dinner or doing chores around the house. That's what I've had turned on. I did pick up a new game on my PC, so Willie's going to shame me for it, I'm sure. It is one of those ones that is a Steam, uh, it's a beta, open beta that's on Steam, basically, one of those early access games. Steam Greenlight? Yeah, I think so. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. It's a game called Not For Broadcast, where the whole conceit of the game is you're in a country where a brand new weird political party takes over, and you work at a news station, you're the guy that runs the board. So you've got to run the board. You can pick how the news is presented and things like that. Pick the commercials that are aired during that. So they can either be pro or anti-government or you can make your experts look like fools if they really are actually fools based off the camera angles and stuff you present. It's actually really fun. They filmed a ton of live footage to put in this game. So you're... Wow. Why would I make fun of you for this? It sounds like a fun game. It sounds like Papers, Please. It, it's very similar in tone to Papers, Please, it feels like. I've yeah, you really, didn't think I knew that one, did you? I did think you knew that one. but uh, What the fuck is Papers, Please? Oh, man. It's, yeah, you're you're pretty tough. much a border agent, and you're accepting people coming through or not. You can either oh my God. To accept them or you cannot. I think it's heavily implied that it's Russia, right? It's a former Soviet bloc country is kind of how they present it. And you have to make decisions where you're like, well, if I don't let this person through, they're no going slobs. to die. But if I let them through and I get in trouble for it, then I'm going to get suspended or I'm going to get fired. And then I don't have the money to pay for food or heating in my house or medicine if your family's sick. The game Fs with your emotions really hard at times because you're like, this is something terrible. I have to make the decision of do I do something terrible to protect my family or do I... It's a real Sophie's choice. Yeah. It, what if you just never let anybody through? Then you'll get fired and then your family <laughs> uh, dies. Papers, Please is... It's a really hard game, both to play at times and then also to uh, to <laughs> to cope with what you've done at times. Never played Sounds it. Only weird. heard of it. 
<laughs> it is out on iOS, so you can play it on uh, tablets. I don't know if it and is it's out also on, Android on the as Vita. Well. Is it on the Vita? It's on the Vita, the PlayStation Vita. Mm-hmm. I do know that. It's it's a f- it's a good game. It is fun at times, but it is also nerve wracking at times. But I enjoyed that one a lot. So not for broadcast feels a lot like that with the same kind of decisions you have to make. And they've only put the first three chapters of the game out so far because, like I said, it's early. It's the early access green light kind of thing. Um, I'm behind on Clone Wars, but I did watch some of the most recent one because they have caught up to Revenge of the Sith. And it is brutal what is going on in Clone nice. Wars right now. And they just had the clones turn on Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. And apparently on Twitter, someone's showing that the, there's possibly been a leak of the last episode so be careful of your internet yeah be very careful spoilers spoilers abound it is really good and there are also people that basically took what is happening in this episode of clone wars and mixed it with revenge of the sith like one on top of the other so you can see what's going on because they're happening at the exact same time right now clone wars and things we've seen well i'm just gonna tell you a spoiler now revenge of the sith Here's your spoiler. Watch episode three and episode four. There's your fucking spoiler. But that doesn't tell you anything about Ahsoka. She's not nope. in episode three I and four. Don't care. But a lot of people do because she's arguably yes. one of the best Star Wars characters in modern memory. Then how come she isn't in the movies? Because how come there's not a movie who cares? Because she's going to be in the Mandalorian. Exactly. Yeah, who cares? Oh, you agree with me? No, I don't care that she's not in the movies because she's going to be in the Mandalorian. <laughs> Speaking awesome. of the Mandalorian, tomorrow is Star Wars Day. Like we touched on at the top of the show. Oh, so a new can, season starts? No, no, not a new season, sadly. But <laughs> you can watch what they're calling, I believe, is called the Disney Gallery hyphen The Mandalorian, which is yeah. an eight-part miniseries where it is a roundtable discussion with Favreau, the directors and and, uh, stars of each episode where they basically talk about how we did certain things or why we made this choice or why we might have played a character this way. And I'm incredibly fascinated, and I touched on it last week because of the special effects they used for Mandalorian. I can't wait to see more on that. It's going to be really neat. I'm excited for it. I was just talking with a friend about that show, and I couldn't remember one of the directors I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. Damn it. And now it just popped in my head as soon as you started talking. I was like, damn it, I hate when that happens. So they did show her as part of the preview. They showed Taika Waititi as part of the preview because he did direct two, one the or two. And the, he was also the baby episode. He was also IG-11. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. remember if he did one or two episodes as a director, though. He did say he will not be directing any of season two just because he's too busy, which is what, kind with of coronavirus. Well, he's been doing a bunch of other stuff. I know. I'm Plus, ma- I'm he's in joke. pre-production for uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Mm, love and thunder which i guess a uh, side note hemsworth read the script and said the script's fantastic just the version that's what i call right my left right nut now. and right nut oh god <laughs> <laughs> i didn't make you press it i didn't even tell you to press it it had to be done it had to be done uh thor love and thunder sounds like it's gonna be really good though based off what tyke has been saying in hemsworth's interviews and he did Wait, say that, oh damn it that's a better joke Thor, Love and Thunder is the name of my dick and my balls. Damn it. This should have been the better joke. Uh, you on figure IMDb, out which one's which. Taika's credited with directing one episode. Okay. Deborah Chow did two. Rick Fumiyama did two. Dave Filoni did two. Bryce Dowdhower did one. Taika did one. And uh, Deborah Chow is still on the hook, basically, to be the runner for uh, Obi-Wan when it comes out. She's supposedly going to direct all of them, is what I had heard, which could be cool. I hope can't wait. I'm fine with that. Anybody that worked on The Mandalorian, as far as I could tell, just run with some Star Wars because they're awesome. And Draftsman did bring up something in the chat room I should have mentioned. He asked if anyone's watching What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. I'm watching it. I love it. Just got caught. Well, just watched the new episode and did a rewatch of season one this week. 
as well. That show is hilarious. Wait, is that is that one on Hulu? It's on Hulu. I what we so, do yes. in the shadows. Okay, I gotta I gotta watch that one. I gotta add that do to you, my list. Are you asking me what I do in the shadows? Do you really? No, know? no, no. Nobody wants to know. Never. <laughs> <laughs> no, in but fact, like, go turn a couple lights on. <laughs> like it's sunny in here. <laughs> like Draftsman says, it's amazing, and he does mention they're playing with an amazing vampire trope this season for one of the characters. I won't say what, but it is it's awesome. They had me hooked from episode one. Like I enjoyed the movie, but I think I like the show even more of what we do in the shadows. I do wish we got a werewolves movie. I'm sorry. A werewolves, not swearwolves movie. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Hey, all joke. I know is if I get in a fight with werewolves, I'm, I choose the squeaky toy. You haven't seen the show, have you? I mean, you could, I told you I need to see it. Okay, never mind. That, that's all I'll I say would, on it. I mean, I just choose a stick. You're and go get it. You're going to meet in the new movie or the new show a character, Nandor the Relentless. And they call him that because he never relents. Mm. That's how he describes it. But uh, Matt Barry from, uh, oh crap, what's the show in England that he was on? Was it IT Crowd? I can't remember. Sounds right. Yeah. The one yeah. with the guy with the hair? Yeah, yeah. He no no. I knew exactly know who I'm talking about. Different guy. He is hilarious oh, as uh, Laszlo the, the vampire, the white guy. Oh oh okay, I know that guy. Then. Yeah, he and then they uh they have a uh, and I cannot say the actress's name who plays Nadja, his wife. She is also hilarious and arguably gets some of the best lines in the show. So they go from having three white dude vampires to having a married vampire couple with Nandor the Relentless that lives there and Colin Robinson the emotional vampire. Mm. It's it's pretty delightful. You need to watch the show. It's only like 10 episodes for season one, I think it is. Either eight or 10 episodes, 22 minutes a pop. You can power through it, but it is absolutely hilarious. They just started season two. They're only four episodes in. But since it's on FX, it's all on Hulu the day after it airs. So you can watch everything that's out right now. Natasha Dimitriou. Yes. She is fantastic as Nadja, Laszlo's wife. There's also an episode in season one where they have where they are planning their vampire orgy as well. It's quite hilarious. And you learn that Laszlo has been doing porn. In similar centuries. news. Oh, no. What do you got, Willie, in similar news? Vampire orgy. So oh, far, no. it's just me. <laughs> Can you really have an orgy if it's one person? Can you really call it a vampire if it's How many hands I got? <laughs> Two, I assume. I think, I mean, I think you're failing on both of those qualifiers. Uh, you're neither a I, vampire and it's not an orgy. <laughs> I mean, don't kink shame me now. It's just you jerking off in the closet. <laughs> Before hey, we go, it's a big closet. <laughs> Before we go it's any further down kid. this path, Bachman, what are you even getting into? <laughs> uh see, doing a little bit of reading. I'm almost done, getting close. Almost finished with a uh, tough shit, the Kevin Smith book, uh, Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good. It's been a really good, uh, really good read. Honestly, though, having listened to almost every episode of Smodcast, I've heard almost every word of what he wrote in this book. But it's still actually a really good book. And I actually I picked it up at the the used bookstore I used to work at, the Youth Ranch. So I think I paid 50 cents for it. So just worth owning. I uh, got a nice little uh, mail call this week. I got myself a Jackie and Lori show journal. So I can uh, write some nice stuff down. Cool little book on the cover. It says, how much time have we done? Which is, you know, the Jackie and Lori motto because it's all about the time. Uh, it's a podcast with two comedians that have got, I think, between the two of them, like 40 years experience in stand-up comedy. Uh, Lori Kilmartin writes for uh, Conan, and uh, Jackie Cation's probably the best geek comedian in the world. Like, she literally had an album called This Will Make It Excellent Horcrux. Like, she she is nerdy to all, to nice. all get out. And then um, also got a challenge coin. 
Um, she actually did a shirt with a whole bunch of the sayings of her dad. Her dad was an aluminum uh, siding salesman at one point and apparently like literally sold aluminum siding to people and got them to put on the outside of their brick house. Like he's that type of salesman. And so she did a shirt with all his sayings on it and also did a challenge coin, which is going to replace the 50 cent piece I used to carry around in my pocket. It's an Elliot Cation challenge coin that says never say no without a number. <laughs> it, was one of the, it was one of the first things he taught her growing up. It's like, if you don't want to do something, fine, but never say no without giving them an extravagant amount of money. There, If they pay you that, you will do it. So you never say no without a number. So yeah. Got those, which is awesome. Um, been playing a little bit of Dead by Daylight, checking out the new stuff because that game fucking I was just burnt out on it. But yeah, the update does look cool. Ready to probably do some more of that this week. I'll see. Uh, played a bunch of Apex Legends, getting ready for season five. Uh, finished off the battle pass. Finished off. Um, yeah, I think everything. Uh, yeah, done with the battle pass. I'm into like level two hundred and forty some odd, and I've been doing the the armor event, the battle armor event, which has been really cool. Where the new game mode, everybody drops in with a P2020 with as a pistol, and everybody in the game drops in with the same armor. And so I think today starts blue. Um, the last three days has been white armor, so it's just the base armor. But what they did was they changed the loot pool so there's no other armor in the game. So everybody drops with white armor, and that's all anybody can get. No one can get gold, no one can get Evo, no one can get blue, purple, red, nothing. Just, you have white armor, that's it. And so it's really changed like the skill level of the game because it changes some of the, the RNG factors. Because now, I mean, it used to be you, know, you could land, open up three bins and not find a gun or armor. And the guy next to you opened up one bin and found gold armor and a 301 and he turns around and melts you. And so it changes a lot of the, the RNG aspect of the game has made it really fun. So yeah, we played uh, the other night uh, Friday for the stream and got a bunch of uh, got a couple of wins on Friday. It's been really fun. See, I'm looking forward to see how that event goes and the data they collect. Because honestly, I think it's something where they might make a change possibly in season five to make uh, an actual armor change or landing with a weapon and loadout to where you're not just landing with nothing. But yeah, it's been a it's been a cool change to the game because like it definitely changes the entire way you play a battle royale. If everybody has the same armor, then you know you can't just be instantly killed by someone just because they happen to pick up a perfect gun and gold armor, and you have nothing, and you have to try to punch them to death. If you're at least landing with a pistol, you have the same shot as everybody else. So I think it, it works really good to actually kind of even the game out. And then um, yeah, I played a bunch of No Man's Sky. I put like 50 hours back into my my new game launch, and it's been really cool since all the updates, like the exo suits, all the different exo vehicles, all the different changes and stuff. Like That game is just so much fun, and it's it's so great to just sit and listen to podcasts. And just like meditate as I fly around space and mine. Like it's great meditation, which right now I need because yeah, you know, anxiety and shit sucks. Yes. <laughs> the world the world is full of stress. And then um yeah, I've been doing some serious binging. I think last week I mentioned I started uh, watching Ozarks and I I wanna say last Sunday, I wanna say I was like three or four episodes in. Uh finished all of season one, all of season two, and finished all of season three. So I watched three seasons of that show this week holy fucking buckets like jason bateman's amazing in it the whole show is insane and season three ends on a wicked fucking cliffhanger that like if you if you see it coming it's insane if you don't see it coming it's even more insane um but yeah super great show like if you want something like dark and gritty which you know most people probably aren't up for that right now 
but like it's a really really good show like every actor on that show is just killing it the writing's amazing and then um on the the opposite spectrum i didn't realize that it had just come out but yeah on um I guess it was uh, two days ago now. So May 1st, they launched uh, Upload. Uh, Robbie Amell, who was a fire star on the CW shows, uh, Stephen Amell, Green Arrow's the cousin, uh, got his new Amazon Prime show, Upload, on. And I watched the entire first season of that yesterday. It is a delightful fucking like comedy show where people get uploaded to the Horizon, with the, the lake house, and... It's this weird thing where you get it, you become a digital, your digital afterlife. And so instead of dying, people get uploaded and then you live in a digital world, but you can still contact reality. And it goes from being like this really like whimsical, funny thing where you have all these jokes and stuff about this digital world that you live in. But then they actually introduce like a really solid story and like the plot of the show is great. And the actors in it are awesome. Um, uh, the showrunners, uh, the guy who created is Greg Daniels, done a few, you know, little shows like The Office, Parks and Rec, King of the Hill, The Simpsons. Like he's worked on a couple little shows. So this is his new one, and yeah, it's upload. It's uh, Robbie Amell and uh, what's uh, Nora's name? Andy Alo. This chick is awesome. Like the two of them are as charismatic as they are good looking. It's fucking ridiculous how awesome this pairing is. Like there must have been instant chemistry when these two did their read together because they are so good together on screen. Yeah, super fun show. And just yeah, it's some of the little like bullshit things that they pull are hilarious, but then the actual like solid storyline that they build up through the first season is just great. Like it's actually really good television. So yeah, I streamed that in a day. Like just burned through it. Love it. That's impressive. Super fun show. And I think it's only got like I think it's like eight episodes or ten episodes. So yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Really cool idea, and yeah, really fun show, and then yeah, actually like hit you with some like good storytelling by the end. I was like, oh shit, like they're doing some work here. Like this is good. So yeah, def- definitely worth checking out. And yeah, the the actors in it are just so fucking fantastic. And there's there's a little kid that uh, I can't what I can't remember what the kid's name is, but he's um, it's a thing where like when ke- when people die, they can upload their body or upload their intelligence to this thing. And so the the little kid like died when he was six. But he's been in there for like 12 years. So his avatar hasn't changed. But in his head, he's 18. But like his parents won't pay to change his avatar. So it's this like six-year-old kid running around cursing people out and like fighting people. Like it's freaking hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, there's some really cool conceits that like, you know, because of course the whole digital afterlife uploading yourself to a computer thing that's been done in a lot of different ways. This is... um. Like it's it's a different take on that. It's definitely it's definitely fun. As someone online, I think they said it was uh it's the San Junipero for straight white people because it's Robbie Amell and a hot Ooh. chick. So I mean, it's yeah, I would say it's it's on that level. Like it's that good of of a show because well, they also had ten episodes to really hook you in on the storyline. So the 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 um, the Black Mirror episode had to hook you a lot quicker and did a lot more work. But like this is, you know, a sitcom basically. Oh, inside. And note, then um, as I was going to add this to my uh, yeah. Amazon Prime queue, it shows that the Never Surrender Galaxy Quest documentary is on Amazon Prime now. So uh, oh, nice. anyone who is a fan of that might want to watch <laughs> that. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just saw that. I was no. like, this is too good not to not to share. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like I usually go to Netflix first and I go to Hulu if there's not anything on there. And then occasionally go to my Disney Plus and I forget sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I have Amazon Prime, which. Apparently now, you know, you pay to have Amazon digital, the TV streaming, because, you know, 
the stuff that used to take two days to be shipped to you now takes four months. So it's not like you're actually paying for that service anymore. Well, but I also watched uh, I watched the first episode of uh, uh, Tales from the Loop, which is like Amazon's version of Black Mirror. And the first episode, really creepy. And it stars uh, the little girl that was the daughter in the first Ant-Man movie. And it's her in like a little sci-fi tale. Really, really well done. Like, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that. But yeah, I just watched, like, I finished Upload and I was like, okay, I need I need to watch something else before I go to bed last night. And ended up, I turned that first episode of that on. I was like, oh, that is a fucking crazy, crazy show. It's like, yeah, it's like Amazon's version of Black Mirror. So they have their own. It's called Tales from the Loop. And yeah, the first episode was really cool. And friendly yeah, reminder, lots of good stuff to watch. Friendly reminder for anyone who wants to watch Prime content: if you have a 4K screen and you're capable of watching 4K, it's not like Netflix where you just start the video and it starts playing in 4K. You have to go and find the show that then has 4K in parentheses after it. So, like in my case, for upload, I had to go to uploaded 4K and add it to my queue so that I could play it in 4K. Uh, Otherwise, it'd only be the 1080p version. Which so they keep, drives they keep me, them separated. It drives me fucking nuts. I watched the first episode and a half of The Boys in regular in 1080p standard def, uh, <laughs> 1080p non HDR, non Atmos. Uh, yes, yeah. I know, but but in saying that, yeah, fuck Amazon Prime's UI. Yeah, their UI is terrible. Like Disney Plus, Netflix, all these other things is it basically reads to see what your system's capable of and then gives you that. Amazon Prime, if you don't pick yeah. the right version of it, you don't get the HDR or the 4K version of it, which is bullshit. Bezos, well, then again, fix Amazon it. Prime still has all of their fucking like seasons separated out right. when you I, go to look for shows and shit too. I don't like, get it. The whole thing was designed very poorly. Yeah, they need to <laughs> they need to relay out how all that stuff works, but hopefully you guys have been listening to this and heard some good stuff to go check out. We haven't really updated the Cabin Fever playlist in a while. We probably should with some additions like, I don't know, uploaded uh, what we do in the shadows. Stuff like that. There's some good content out there. But before we shut this thing down, you guys have any uh, final thoughts you wanted to share with our crowd out there? May the force be with you. I'm just waiting for Disney to whip their dick out on that table. <laughs> when they do, <laughs> someone when they do, someone's getting hurt. It's a big dick. <laughs> well, then, on that note, friendly reminder: we do stream this show live every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over at Geeks Live. That is the official streaming home of the Gonna Geek Network. You can find us there all the time, in addition to a variety of other shows. So please feel free to come check that other content out. We do have the official GunnaGeek.com show streaming live on Monday, for instance. I don't know what I'm talking about on it yet, but I'll be on there this week. Like mm-hmm. most He'll be talking about something. He'll be talking about some kind of stuff. I don't know what. Oh, yes. Perfectly. Yes, Posh Nelson is back. Oh, since Posh Nelson is back, we should probably this, start shutting this things is my down. Act. You should probably not grab onto my act. But I'm trying to kill it, Mr. Posh Nelson. You don't even do it right. Oh, we shall see. We have Thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central over at live.atgnpodcast.com Channel 3 of the Alpha Geek Radio app and over at our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us at atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at atgnpodcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com.